Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Guys with Bibles. I'm Lee, and I'm here for a little solo episode, starting a solo series on a topic that I think is very interesting, and I'm really excited to talk about, and that is the topic of theophanies. A while back, we started a series, a discussion series on theophanies, and we got off of that and moved on to something else, something more pressing to us at the time, but I kind of wanted to return and put a little more meat on the bones, so to speak, about theophanies. Now, maybe some of you are asking, uh, what in the world is a theophany? I have a short definition from Vern Poitras that I really liked and thought uh, was helpful. So to Vern Poitras, a theophany is an appearance of God. Literally, that's what the word means, um, is an appearance of God, an intense manifestation of the presence of God that is accompanied by an extraordinary visual display. I like that because, one, I mean, it gets to the core of the thing. It's an appearance of God. That's what a theophany is. But the fact that it's an intense manifestation, it's not casual, it's something that gets your attention. Um, If we're we're reading about it in scripture, it gets the attention of the person that God is trying to speak to. So it's intense, it's attention grabbing, it's a manifestation of God's presence that's accompanied by an extraordinary visual display. Now some of these um, that we're going to talk about are... um, they're more extraordinary than others. <laughs> In fact, the one I want to talk about briefly today is one that's a little more on the ordinary side. Um, but it's still a theophany, and it's still an important um, and mysterious occurrence that happens. And it's it's worth talking about as, as that concept of a theophany. Why is this so interesting to me? I think it's because as Christians... Um, we we are well aware of the of the ultimate um, ultimate perfect and final theophany, which would be the person of Christ. So the, the true manifestation of God in the flesh is, of course, Jesus Christ. Um, so these theophanies are at best foreshadowing what Christ would do. Uh, to come and dwell among his people as a man. So some of these instances will come in the appearance of a man, um, maybe mistaken. The, the, the personage of God 
in this theophany could be mistaken for a person, for a man. Other times, it's in a more mysterious, more extraordinary form, such as um, fire, or what could be described as fire, or it could be a pillar of cloud, or of or a pillar of fire. Um, it could be a throne room scene. Uh, when we talk about Isaiah six, that's a perfect example of a of a the presence of God made manifest in a prophetic vision. So it's not necessarily Isaiah not being transported to a place, but he's seeing it as if it were before his eyes. So we'll we'll talk about that. Um, so let's let's talk about our somewhat ordinary, extraordinary appearance of God from Genesis 18. So Genesis 18 concerns the promise of Isaac's birth um, and the announcement uh, that, that Isaac would be born. And it concerns the messenger that brings that message. So I'll start reading Genesis 18, starting in verse 1. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks at Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread and you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on, since you have visited your servant. And they said, So do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them, and he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. I'm going to stop there just to talk a little bit about this. Um, if you're reading along, because you're not going to be able to tell this on audio, but when, when Abraham greets the men, he sees three men standing in verse, in verse 2. But in verse 3, when he addresses them, he says, My Lord, so singular, one. Um, when he says Lord in the text, it's, it's a capital L and then lowercase O-R-D. So he's not using the all caps Lord, which is um, set aside just for talking about God. So he's addressing what he thinks is a human person. And he is being hospitable. He, he gets some food together. They've been traveling. They've got to be weary. They've got to be hungry. Come bathe your feet. Uh, let me put some food on for you and take a rest here for a while in my tent. That's, that's great. That's hospitality. That's perfect. But what's interesting is that these are, these are three men, um, but he's addressing one man. So some commentators have said that um, this would be potentially a Christophany, which would be an appearance of, of the Son of Jesus, not necessarily of God the Father, uh, in, in, accompanied by two angels, and they think it um, 
And so then there there are three, but there's one main person who's being spoken to. Some commentators have have tried to say that the three men are representative of the Trinity. I don't I'm not quite sure about that. I think that's could be looking a little too deep into the mystery of of the theophany. But regardless, um, this is a, a divine appearance, uh, which is going to be made more apparent by more context that we're about to read, but also in the fact, and this is just one of the many benefits of the New American Standard, in verse 3, when Abraham, Abram is talking to, talking to the man, he says, My Lord, if I found favor in your sight that your, in your sight, has a capital Y, which is one of the distinctions of the New American Standard, is that if there's a pronoun that's describing God in any way, it the first letter of it gets capitalized. So already we know something something's going on here. God has appeared uh, to Abram. Okay, so let's, we, let up, we left off in verse 8. Um, the visitor's... Uh, have everything set before them, and they are eating. Uh, they're standing, uh, well, they're sitting under the tree. Abraham is standing beside them as they eat. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed at herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son." Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men rose up from there and looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham was walking with them to send them off. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation? In him all the children of the earth will be blessed. For I have chosen him, so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the ways of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. Okay, I will I will leave it there for now, uh, because this, this text has now made it absolutely plain that this is God in Abraham's tent. Now, this is part of part of the um, the common elements of a uh, it's part of the common elements of a theophany and by that I mean God doesn't just appear to people just to appear you know he's not appearing and just making polite conversation and then fading away and, and leaving the scene a theophany comes with a message and I'm, I'm going to say that uh, the ones we're looking at, these are normally messages of blessing, not necessarily doom or curse or punishment. So here it's announced that this very old couple who would have no natural expectation to have a child are going to have a child. And 
next year, this man is going to come back again, and there will be a child. And so, <clears throat> of course, to Sarah, of course, to Sarah, that is a laughable situation. And so she laughs, which, of course, um, if, if as we would read later, that's what Isaac means is laughter. So she names Isaac after this uh, reaction of hers, this kind of knee-jerk reaction to laugh at the idea that she would bear a son. But it's it's made crystal clear, and of course this is God who purposes all things, and he's purposed that Sarah will bear a son, and that's why he turns to Abraham and says, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? So he kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit. I, I, I'm i the this man that said this. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Because this man who is eating this meal that, that Abraham set before him is God himself, the Lord. When it says the Lord here, that's in the all caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, signifier for God. So this is a, I mean, this is a message of, of grace. This is a wonderful thing. God has a plan to, to bless the descendants of Abraham. He'd already made that covenant plain a couple chapters earlier in chapter uh, 15. So the, the fact that this idea um, surprises Sarah, sounds preposterous, makes her laugh, um, this should not have been a surprise because God had already made this promise to Abraham in the past. But here, by appearing, by God himself, by God himself coming to Abraham's house, he is making it obvious. He's making it something for Abraham to absolutely expect. And he even puts a timetable on it. He says, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So he's he's declaring this blessing, this promise. It's something that's absolutely sure. In 12 months, this this man is going to come back, and there will be a little a little son um, that he will that he'll see when he returns. That nothing is impossible with God. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting. You could take this and make kind of make a parallel to um, even the Annunciation of the birth of Christ, another miraculous birth. Um, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Well, no, of course not. Um, God can do anything that He pleases, and He does. Um, he works all things according to the counsel of His will. That included giving a son to this very old couple and by making it extremely obvious that it was going to happen, not only by giving Abram, giving Abraham, he not only made it obvious by giving Abraham the, the promise in chapters before this, but he even came himself and spoke with Abraham and Sarah too face to face he, you know, God, of course, put on a face. He didn't appear in all of his glory. Um, if you listen to the Transfiguration episode, um, we talked about how no one can look at God and live uh, at the complete radiance of the holy God, the one and only God of all creation. 
So God very mercifully, in order to do this, took on a human face and walked into Abraham's house, ate his food, and delivered this promise, which took Sarah, obviously, off guard. Um, I would hope that it didn't take Abraham off guard because he should have remembered the promise. And he should have told Sarah about the promise after he had gotten it in chapter 15. So we don't know quite the details of, of that. Maybe he forgot to tell her. Maybe he was afraid she'd laugh at him. It's hard to tell. We're not told that. But regardless, back to the issue of the theophany, this is an act of mercy. This is an act of grace that God took on this form for a little while to visit Abraham and Sarah in their home to deliver this news. And he knew, he knew that there would be this, this reaction. These are sinful people. <laughs> These, this is a son and daughter of Adam, after all. These are sinners, and, and sinners are slow to believe the promises of God. Uh, but they would see, and he was merciful enough to not only tell them what would happen, that there would be a son, but he even told them when to expect it. An incredibly merciful thing. This time next year, you will have a son. And so then it was, now it was on their part to live it out, to see that time come, and to remember this promise when it did come to pass, that this promised son would be delivered, and that, that God's overarching blessing to bless all of Abraham's descendants would, would be starting to begin at that time. There is now a descendant, uh, Isaac, and there would be descendants after that Abraham would never get to see. And we, we have to remember as well, we are Christians. We have to remember that that entire line would go and move, and people would marry, and children would be born who would grow up and marry, and children would be born. And a line, a royal line is forming, a family, a, a large generation, uh, generation upon generation, a family where the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, would be born and would do much more than, than what was done in this story, which would be to deliver a promise and to go. This final son, the, the offspring of Abraham, not off, the promise wasn't just for offspring, as in children upon children upon children. The blessing was for one particular offspring, Jesus Christ, to come and he would be manifested in the flesh, in the fullness of time, much more fully than this simple theophany here. But this promise that God would come to dwell in the tents of his people, just for one meal here and then to another visit a year later. But Jesus lived in his entire human life among people, in and out of homes, in and out of the synagogue, in and out of the temple, across the entire region, teaching and preaching and praying and healing, and then eventually going to the cross, having lived a, a sinless life, completely righteous, dying an undeserved death that should have been my death, and then rising again, and then ascending to the right hand of the Father. This entire story here, and I'm going to argue every theophany we look at, is all pointing toward that 
greatest and final theophany, the the Christophany, the appearance of Christ in the flesh uh, as the greatest, the crowning achievement of of God's relationship to men um, on this side of, of eternity. So we get just a little foretaste of that in this story, and hopefully that comes through clearly. So if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, you can find our website, guyswithbibles.com, uh, and then you can reach out to us on social media. Uh, we have a Facebook group. We have the Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Gab at Guys with Bibles. You can also email us directly, guyswbibles at gmail.com. And then we have open DMs on uh, social media as well. I would love to get some questions and comments. Um, what you think of this topic? Is this interesting to you? Do you have follow-up questions? or general questions about uh, about uh, theology in general. Uh, we'd love to get your questions, be able to tackle some of that, and and help um, increase understanding of, of the scriptures and of uh, right theology. So until next time, this is Lee for Guys with Bibles, and we're out.